from Ski Tracks, it's the show people talk about. It's Talking with the Gravy Train, your source for Nordic news and one-on-one interviews with current Nordic skiing newsmakers of the day. Sometimes we'll look back and share the rich history of the sports, and sometimes we'll be engaged in the current topic of the day. And now, here's your host, longtime Olympic announcer, Peter Graves. Hello again, everybody. It's another edition of Talking with the Gravy Train. Nice to have you with us. In this beautiful fall day in October. So uh, our special guest uh, here today is the high performance advisor of Cross Country Canada, Nick Lemaire, a native of Montreal. And uh, Nick, first of all, uh, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you with us. Thank you. I guess you have been uh, a very, very busy, uh, probably, uh since your appointment with Cross Country Canada, because uh, as I understand it, you, you're you continuing to be involved as a professor at the University of Oslo. So I guess the first question is, how is it going? It's going really well. Um, it's like just any other job. There's a lot to learn the first year. Um uh, everything is new. Um, I'm trying to get a good overview of uh, the different variables that are uh, impacting the performance of our athletes. So um, there's a lot to do, but it's really exciting. I have a lot of really good colleagues and uh, the skiers are training well and training hard and um, I'm excited. Now, you took over the position held by Tom Holland, who we talked to uh, this springtime on the show. And um, how did you find uh, the status of Cross Country Canada when you came on board? Well, I um, although I was um, living in Norway, I've, uh, I've kept in touch with uh, the Canadian team uh, throughout the years, I've been involved for many years with the uh, Norwegian program, and we were uh, meeting often either on the World Cup or uh, the World Championships. Uh, so I sort of have a, uh, I had an idea of um, things they were working with and how they were working together. So um, I don't feel I had um, any surprises when I started working with the. CCC, but it was, uh, you know, often after the Olympics, there are a lot of changes. We have a lot of good racers that have retired and there's a new generation coming up. So I can, I I knew the athletes, a lot of the athletes that have retired uh, quite well and um, maybe knew the new generation coming up a little less. So um, uh, I'm just taking the time now to get to know these guys and girls better and um, sort of understand the, the coaching landscape in Canada uh, a lot better as well. Um, but it, there's a lot of, you know, competent people in the program. People are very passionate. Um, I knew that already from my years skiing in Canada, that there were a lot of good talents in the country and a lot of passionate people involved in, in skiing. And that's pretty much what I met when I started uh, working with CCC. And Nick, uh, uh, you know, just prior to you coming on board, uh, uh, of course, uh, matter of public record, uh, head coach uh, 
Babakov was let go, as well as as two others, and uh, uh, at least uh, publicly, the uh, uh, and uh, what was in the media uh, was uh, primarily due to a uh, uh, quite a, a serious loss of some funding. Um, I'm guessing that was difficult for everybody at Cross Country Canada. Oh yeah, definitely, and it, it's uh, it's a tight knit uh, group. So anytime there's some people leaving a program, uh, it's hard at the human level to see some friends and some people uh, you you like and people you respect uh, having to uh, go to you know make some changes in their in their career. Um, I have. I have a really good relationship, I think, with uh, with Ivan, and I think he has a lot of valuable experience. Uh, definitely, it's interesting for for us that Ivan stays involved uh, with coaching and keeps on developing himself. And I think uh, often um, those things are are hard to deal with when they happen, but down the road, you know, we meet again and we can build some some interesting things together. So. So hopefully, as we are building a new generation of athletes coming up and um, supporting uh, Alex at the level he's at uh, and bringing other athletes that can perform at that level, um, we will increase our budget again and then we'll be able to, um, yeah, to have a bigger bigger staff and involve a lot more people. Yeah, and um, in... Uh I think the timetable was August, and I, I know these things are are, are uh, easier said than done to accomplish. But uh, at one point, uh, not so long ago, uh, CCC was uh, ready to uh, hire a head coach. And uh, can you uh, uh, bring us up to date on where you're at uh, in the hiring process? Yeah, we're just a few days away from uh, confirming uh, our coaching staff. So uh, I I wish I could, uh, I wish things had gone a little faster and I, I could have announced it uh, today on the show. Uh, but I think out of respect for the individuals that are involved, I'll, I'll wait for the paperwork to be processed. And I'm really confident that we're building a really solid base, something that will um, will allow us to build over time with the uh, quality uh, people involved in the program. And um, uh, I'm excited about what, what we're building right now. And I, I, I think, you know, when, when you're building um, your staff like that, you would like things to happen faster and have people in place earlier. Uh, but it's also important to, take the time to uh, pick the right people, make sure that everybody understands uh, what we're trying to build and how we're going to achieve it. And I'd rather take a few extra weeks to make sure that everything is done the right way uh, and then and then move on. And we're, we're really early in a, an Olympic cycle. This is the first year of four, uh, building the team towards the 2022 Olympics. And... Um, it's unfortunate that we couldn't uh, announce those uh, those positions earlier. However, um, I'm confident that we're making the right choice now, and and that 
everybody will um, be equally excited as I am uh, with what we're we're building right now. Right. Well, that makes perfect sense to me to uh, move. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a little slower to to get the right fit. So, uh, kudos to you. And of course, we'll be uh, watching for the announcement uh, coming up soon. Um, so, um, I think during the summer, uh, you spent some time in Canmore doing some kind of evaluations uh, of uh, cross country Canada. And where do you? Uh, First, let let me ask you, uh, uh, what is the upside? What are the good things you see out there in Canada for cross-country skiing right now? Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, good people involved in cross-country skiing. The, the community coast-to-coast is uh, quite wide. There's a good quality athletes. There's some good quality work being done. Um, I think we are uh, relying on a base of talent that is uh, quite high. Uh, we have also coaches that are, you know, in, in different geographical uh, places in Canada that are knowledgeable and very passionate about their work. Um, so, so I think the, the ingredients to uh, build talent um, are there. And then, Maybe our biggest challenge um, will be to make sure that that generation of athlete makes the transition to senior racing um, in a good way and that we can keep a critical mass of athletes that will push each other uh, to new heights. I mean, uh, certainly uh, here in the United States with uh, uh, the Bill Koch League, I've never seen numbers like there are now and uh it just is astounding uh, uh particularly from somebody of my age who's been been around this quite a while to see the numbers and that's great my guess is uh the jackrabbit program is uh going quite strong isn't that correct yes uh yeah we definitely have uh, very popular um, ski learning program. Um, I think there's uh, there's a lot of appeal for kids to be involved uh, in in those programs. And you know we've we've been lucky with some decent winters uh, lately, and that helps a lot. Uh, and in in some other places, you know, like we're we're getting access to man-made snow a lot more than we did before. And I think that that puts you know, uh, parents in a situation where they're confident that, you know, if they invest time and resources in getting their kids involved in cross-country skiing, their kids will be able to, um, uh, to practice uh, the sport uh, throughout the winter. And I, and I think those, those things are really important. Uh, Nick, you moved, as I understand, to Norway 21 years ago. So you're you're not at all a stranger to Norway and its sport culture. Uh, you've uh, and continue to be, I believe, a professor at the University of Oslo, a very fine school where they do a lot of cutting edge work. And with that, you've worked as a uh, sports psychologist. You have a PhD in sport and exercise physiology. 
This is a broad question, but let me ask, with all the interfacing you've had with Norway's ski team, and you've also worked with the cycling program, tell me your thoughts about Norway as a sport culture, because it got a lot of positive publicity during Pyeongchang Olympic Games, uh, being that it is a relatively small country. They just simply excel in sport. Tell me a little bit about how you view the Norwegian sport culture. Yeah, it's um, actually it's it's uh, interesting. Um, the there well, yeah, we took, we could talk about this for hours oh, and hours and I know. days and days. I know. Uh, but the the um, I think it starts with uh, the fact that sport is uh, is culture in the, in Norway. You know, like they're. Their Ministry of Culture is also in charge of sports, so they see arts uh, and sports, you know, as part of their culture at the same level. And then um, you have access to, uh, you know, national parks and forests, uh, free access. Uh, so it is a lifestyle. Uh, Norwegians, a lot of Norwegians are physically active, enjoying physical activity with their kids they have access to great nature they are used to either using uh, their skis their bikes or uh, walking or running uh, in in nature uh, so that that goes a long ways into introducing kids to being physically active and having a great deal of pleasure uh, to move and um, uh, experience being physically physically active, um, outside. Um, and then, um, there's a lot of, I would say, um, there's a lot of exposure for the athletes in those sports. So, um, you know, kids are brought up with those athletes as role models. Um, the level of competence, um, you know, in, in parents is quite high. So, uh, kids will get, you know, feedback about technique or how they're doing or preparing their equipment um, in a very positive way because the parents are involved and they've been involved all, all their life as well. So um, uh, that environment fosters, um, you know, this interest in, in, in kids to uh, to be physically active and to train and uh, compete, um, and then there's there's that system they have in Norway where they believe in kids developing um, without being um, too much pressured to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wait quite a long time before ranking kids in races, and I and I think um, it has a it has an impact on maybe not every kid. There's some kids definitely that are focusing on their performance and they have parents that focus on their per- performance at a young age. And, and despite the fact that the race is not ranking the, uh, the athletes, the parents will do it anyway. Uh, but in a general way, it's a very laid back, uh, atmosphere for kids to develop. And then as they get introduced to ranking a little later on in their life, they have matured and they're, uh, emotionally, um, more robust to deal with uh, 
reality of racing against other kids and being compared in terms of performance. Yeah, well said. And uh, I think uh, <clears throat> what I've observed also is that um, at the younger levels, introductory levels and, and just above that, they learn a lot about movement in an atmosphere that for most is uh, uh, kind of non-competitive and uh, they are brought up slowly. Other countries uh, where there is maybe one or two superstars, uh, there is uh, pressure to take a, 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 a talented kid, perhaps maybe a little too young in some cases, and, and uh, throw resources at them in the hopes that they will be a, an Olympic medalist. I mean, my guess is uh, uh, Petter, for example, was probably always competitive, but uh, not everybody was built physically or, or emotionally like he was. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's, I think you need to have a system uh, that is inclusive. So you have room for kids like uh, Pepe, then you have room for kids that aren't like that. And then, then you provide them with opportunities to develop themselves at their own pace. And, you know, there is, um, I would say, like, a, you know, mass sport doesn't necessarily need to have the same goals as elite sport there's a lot of reasons to involve your kids into skiing other than to become uh, an olympic champion absolutely and, uh, and 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 i think i think that's important for us to to keep in mind then and, and the other thing i think is really important is that we we need to build um an environment where whoever has a chance of becoming an olympic champion uh, has an opportunity to train and develop uh, himself or herself with friends friends around them. So I, I would say, like for for every talent that has a shot as you know at becoming uh, Alex Harvey or uh, Jessica Diggins, you probably need twenty, thirty other athletes to support that athlete to, towards the top. So mm -hmm. so it's really important not to focus on elite level performance too early because if the other kids drop out then you'll probably never get to know how far your one athlete could have gone yeah good point good point well knowing the norwegian program pretty well they recruit uh as best they can the best coaches uh and the people uh that support that movement and they would go anywhere in the world to get that talent. Uh, it's quite, I think, an honor for you and, and speaks of your ability that they trusted in you enough to work with uh, the Norwegian men's cross-country team. Well, first of all, what was that experience like? That must have been very heady working with some of the best in the world. Oh, definitely. The the Norwegian um you know, the Norwegian cross country skiing team in Norway is the equivalent of, you know, the New York Yankees or you know, it's a yes. it's an institution. Yep. Um and it, it's a it's a very exciting team to work with because like you're saying, you're they're recruiting um 
you know, really talented individuals to be at all level of staff. So um, you are working with um, elite people at all level, and it's uh, really motivating and uh, super interesting because you're learning every day. And and the the uh, Norwegian athletes that make it all the way to the national team. They are, of course, exceptional athletes, but they they have also uh, a wealth of knowledge, and there there is this culture on the team to share knowledge with each other and to um, everybody sort of invest in everybody's development. Um, so I would say, you know, my my role on the team um, is only to contribute with a little bit of. Uh, development in the different people I'm I'm collaborating uh, with, um, but when you are working at that level, everything is about marginal gains. And then if you can contribute to a half percent, well, it's a uh, it's a very meaningful half percent. Um, so it's been uh, super uh, interesting and exciting to 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 work with that that group of athletes and coaches and and staff but also a very humbling uh, experience you're listening to talking with a gravy train i'm peter graves our special guest today and nick lemaire the high performance advisor to cross-country canada nick what does uh i'm guessing the primary role of sports psychologist in on many aspects and it's a subject i've long been interested in is to help reduce or manage stress but uh to put it succinctly what does a sports psychologist do well um we know that uh you know the the thoughts and the emotions an athlete will have at any time or actually any members of staff uh, will have at any time will have an impact on on their performance. So um, often it's to be the one that is responsible to be aware and following um, thoughts and emotions in the different uh, team uh, team members that you're working with, and then uh, you have the responsibility to uh, make sure that those things are optimal for each team member uh, and through daily interactions, uh, being um, on site, seeing um, athletes perform um, and then uh, you are able to identify areas that they can adjust to perhaps get even more out of their training and race preparation. And then so, my role uh, working with a team is to make sure that there's a good understanding of what is optimal for each athlete or each staff member and then to provide them with, um, I guess, mentorship in terms of how to get there and how to stay there once you've uh, identified those things. Interesting, um, because I, I would think a, a sports psychologist traveling with a team and working with a myriad of potential life issues, one would have to very much understand the needs of individual athletes. And I'm guessing from what I'm hearing 
I think it's a good thing that uh, you can bring this understanding the individual to cross country Canada. Um, I would guess the things you learned are going to be very valuable to your job. Oh, definitely, and and I, you know, you you when you're when you're um, given these opportunities to contribute to a program like. Uh, uh, I'm able to do right now. You know, you you feel you're you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, people that have been in the program before you, people you've uh, interacted with to, uh, throughout the years. And I've, for example, you were mentioning earlier. Uh, you know how it was to start working with the the, the Norwegian team. Well, I. I started working with the Norwegian team when uh, Tron uh, Neustad uh, mm -hmm. started being the coach, and I had I had met Tron when he was racing at UVM right. uh, and with his brother Knut, and um, and we were good friends in in college. Uh, but then we sort of uh, had not seen each other for you know fifteen twenty year period, and then we met again. Uh, in a professional setting where we were able to uh, connect and start working together. And, and Tron had, you know, uh, been coaching internationally, had been in the U.S. for many years. Right. And um, I've learned a lot from my interaction uh, uh, with him. And he had a very good understanding of what I could bring to the team and how um, I could contribute in a meaningful way uh, to his team. And then I was also fortunate that, um, um, you know, the, 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 the sport director, uh, Vidal Lefsus, he also came from the American system. So not only <laughs> were they a big help for me to understand the Norwegian system really well. They had a really good understanding of where I came from, from, you know, North American understanding of performance and North American view of how different performance variables um, are connected to each other. So I was, I was fortunate to work with very competent people, but also uh, I was fortunate that they were very culturally aware of uh, differences and also opportunities. Yeah, and Nick, you you for our American listeners, you skied at St. Lawrence University, and of course Montreal is not very far away from the border with uh, Vermont, for example. So you know uh, quite a bit about uh, the American culture. I, 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 what what? How have you seen this uh, uh, success? from the U.S. ski team, particularly the women. Were, were you surprised by that or not? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised because I've been um, following the development of the program in the U.S. and I've, I, I, I know um, the competent people that were involved in the program. I understood what they were trying to build. I could say maybe... I was always interested in seeing if they were going to be given enough time to um, get full benefits of everything they had invested. And, and that's always a challenge when you're trying to build a program and you have a vision uh, is whether, you know, the administrators of the program or the, uh, the supporters of the program will give you enough time to, 
reach your goal before they start doubting and um, ask for changes too early and then throw away all the hard work that's been uh, done. So the maybe not the surprise, it's not a surprise, but I'm, I'm um, positively, um, let's say, uh, or I, I'm impressed that they were able to um, complete the the whole program that they started building, you know, over 10 years ago. And now you are seeing a very solid base in the program. You're seeing top results that are amazing. Um, and then, uh, and I, I think cross-country skiing in the U.S. right now maybe has never been better than it is in terms of program and system. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, not only the leadership at the U.S. ski team, but in uh, uh, in Chris Grover, our head coach, Matt Whitcomb, and their staffs, I think both uh, Chris and Matt are, are very patient people. They're intelligent, um, and I agree with you that they were given time to uh, to have this percolate. Uh, you know, I um, you uh, when I think of like Keegan coming to the scene, I have long thought that um, Becky Scott's results, uh, going back to Salt Lake, for example, were uh, kind of formative for Keegan. And then we know what Keegan did uh, for American skiing, and I'm speaking the modern times now here, but... um, uh, I, 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 do you do you perhaps agree with that uh, Becky's medal in Salt Lake and and then maybe some of the U.S. people saying you know if she can do it maybe we can do it. Uh, there, there's no doubt. You know, it's easy. It's easy to see challenges and barriers in achieving uh, those um, amazing results and and you know thinking. You know, this country has more resources than us. This country has more athletes than us. Uh, and then when you see somebody in your, you know, immediate surroundings uh, achieving those kinds of performances uh, over and over again, I think those are, are really important um, barriers that are uh, being uh, broken and 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 maybe help you believe in the investment you're making yourself to achieve that level of performance and and those um those ambassadors of our sports have been really really important in maybe um uh having you know younger athletes believe that you can come from North America and 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 be a significant force on on the world uh, scene of cross country skiing yeah, for sure. And our time draws short, Nick, but I do want to ask you, because I think it's so important. You know, you need development programs that nurture you You building towards those athletes that have elite goals on the international stage. And another component of that is having some domestic World Cups uh, and... Uh, you may have seen recently that Minneapolis and, and uh, uh, of course, with the support of uh, the gold medalist Jesse Diggins has announced a World Cup. But in the U.S., I, I would say we have been the benefactor 
of a lot of Canadian generosity with the World Cups that you have had. And we will be up in Quebec for World Cup finals at the Plains of Abraham. So um, I I just... uh, very impressed by the quality and number of World Cups you've had. Uh, the uh, Tour of Canada, for example. Um, I'm sure you see a cause and effect in in making young skiers enthusiastic by uh, having them see up close and personal their, their superstars. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we, we have, um, you know, on the event side, we have very competent people putting up those uh, races and and producing World Cups where athletes are thriving when they come to North America and compete in those races. And they're amazed to see the interest around cross-country skiing when they're racing here. And I think that's, that's really important. And I think down the road, um, it'll be natural for you know, the cross-country skiing World Cup to, uh, to be, get used to coming to North America and to um, uh, have this proximity with uh, all of the cross-country skiing fans and the cross-country skiing community. And I, and I agree, it's hard for athletes to understand, you know, how big this is and how wonderful uh, the World Cup scene is if you never get to see it from up close. So, so it is very positive that... Um, Minnesota is um, uh, hosting a, a World Cup, and hopefully that can also um, uh, develop an interest uh, either for Minnesota to become, you know, a, a, a normal stop on the World Cup uh, or other areas in, in the U.S. that would be interested in, in hosting World Cups as well. And I, and I think as we are developing strong teams in in North America, uh, it makes a lot of sense that the FIS is sensitive to providing these opportunities for us to uh, organize those races. That's right. And of course, Canmore, your headquarters, has stepped up to the plate so many times with great races out there at the Olympic venue. Uh, Nick, you you said earlier uh, you could talk uh, for an hour or two about uh, sport culture, um, but uh, I really have enjoyed this very, very much, and I thank you for taking the time. Uh, I, I would finally just say, do you have any concluding thoughts that you'd like to get out there to the people? Well, um, we we are building something exciting and uh, in Canada right now, and uh, and I think if if people are patient enough to uh, give us the time um, to put it, all these things in place. I think we are looking at um, some exciting times ahead of us. Well, I, I certainly am wishing you all the best, and, and thank you for joining us. I'm sure I'll see you uh, at Seyfeld and, and uh, Quebec. Uh, but, Nick, thank you so very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right, that's Nick Lemaire uh, working as High Performance Advisor to Cross Country Canada. I'm Peter Graves. Thanks so very much for joining us.